Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, by the way, I eagerly await the 30 for 30 on Bill Walton. Cannot wait for that. Now, meantime, in on a Thursday, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, a lot to talk about today. Give you a chance to win some stuff today. Uh, give you a chance to voice your opinion over the course of the afternoon. Dive into a lot of topics, uh, most of which kind of have run their course a little bit. I was on with Tony Katz a little bit earlier today regarding uh, the Live and the PGA Tour and, and that situation, but kind of seems like everybody's falling out of, yeah, whatever. That's where the status is right now. And yeah, maybe the same can hold true to a degree with Isaiah Rogers, considering you're just going to sit around and you're going to wait until something happens, and that's going to be that. Not much more you can go on. I mean, how many times can you consider just a knuckleheaded move being a knuckleheaded move? Okay, you got to move on from just a little bit. It's kind of funny. I got a call at the end of the show yesterday regarding Chris Ballard. And part of the reason why, and this is all moving on, because there's nothing new. We all know the past, and we've known just how things haven't worked out. We have known that everything that has been promised to you has come up short, come up empty, and we know that this thing is getting a reboot. And we know that he is making the decisions. So I kind of answered the question by saying, until we get some new news, I'm not going to sit here every day and say, hey, this is a joke and that's a joke, because I think everybody knows where we all stand with our opinions, but since there's nothing new, there's really no way to go with it that makes sense to you. It's kind of where we are right now with the whole Isaiah Rogers thing. Yeah, really, a knuckleheaded move. Going to cost you big time. But at the same time, you know, what else are you going to do here? What more is there to talk about? How many different ways can you say that was just a really bad decision or a series of bad decisions? Yeah, same holds true with Indiana State, not hosting a Super Regional. We'll get an update from Fort Worth coming up here at the bottom of the hour. 
And I am just kind of curious if there's anything new, but if there is nothing new, you know, how much more can I say? You know, I'm really disappointed in how the university responded to this. Until you find out something new, you know, until this baseball team helps rescue, in this case, the short-sighted decision-making of the university, or if it looks like to a degree, it makes it a little bit worse. But that's kind of where you are, kind of where you are. I'll give you a great example, right? So if you want to. You can go back to last night, game three of the NBA Finals. We were all excited. Everything was even at a game apiece. Had Miami doing kind of the Miami things this postseason that we've grown accustomed to, which have been outstanding. And then, unfortunately, last night, it depends on, I guess, how you look at it. If you like a, a couple of triple-doubles with one team into the 30-point range, of which you rarely, if ever, see, that was impressive. If you wanted to see just a dominant road win with top-level talent in the Nuggets, that's probably what you want to see. But I, I, I'd hope that you might have something a little bit more even. And that's not at all as it turned out to be, you know, unfortunately. And you can really see how things took shape. Things took shape in the second quarter, but that third quarter was the big deal right there. I guess if you don't have a legitimate rooting interest, and again, I don't like the Heat. You know, the Nuggets are a good story. I do like watching the Heat. I just don't like the Heat. But if you don't have a rooting interest, you root for a very entertaining game. And outside of a couple of players and the way that Denver played, it wasn't the most entertaining performance we have seen. You expected a little bit more, I think, out of the grinding, getting it done. And maybe that's the key. Maybe you just kind of wait until they get it done in a sense of which you're shocked that they do. Because now you're going to have to go back to Denver and you're going to have to win a game. But that's something you can respond to. Yeah, that's something you can talk about in the now. Something you can play off of. Believe me, I, I get it. With a lot of these cult storylines, you guys are saying, all right, we love talking about football, but man, this is like rinse and repeat, and you're absolutely right. And that's why I alluded to that caller at the end of the show if you missed it yesterday, because I, I didn't know what more could be said. I mean, I don't crack open the mic every day and go, well, we're just going to go ahead and rip on Chris Ballard for three hours. Everybody knows the stance. At least on this particular show, you know the stance. And now you just wait because the decision was made to see what they have in terms of a team this year. See if they're making the right move at quarterback this year. See if the moves turn out to be better this year. Because you can shake your fist all you want, but the owner decided to go back in and do it all over again. You know, not with a coach. And certainly not with a quarterback. But this is kind of where you are this time of year. You just you wait for for something new, something else to play off of. Like last night in the finals, you had something else to play off of if you're talking about it today. Like last night, I spent a lot of time, and it's weird. When you have these day games or these getaway games, if you will, like the Reds have today, and there has been a level of success against the Dodgers so far. Those games have been fun. 
Those games have been incredibly enjoyable. And then, unfortunately, you don't even get to enjoy if you have the afternoon show. You don't get a chance to enjoy last night and a De La Cruz home run that goes 452 feet and really just a player and a team that has rejuvenated for the moment a town that is a baseball town but has long since grown tired of the bullcrap and can't get out of their sight's ownership and how short-sighted it is and how at times non-caring about the product on the field at that moment they might be. So I don't even get a chance to talk about last night. Last night was great. Yeah, Benson goes yard with a walk-off. De La Cruz had that 452-foot majestic home run for his first ever. Some kid from Cincinnati, Moeller, who's a linebacker on the football team, gets the ball and takes it to him after the game. You have a come-from-behind win again against one of the better teams and certainly a team that's going to be there in the end of the L.A. Dodgers. And I don't get an opportunity to talk about that because they're playing a getaway day afternoon affair against the Dodgers and the Reds have not even been competitive today. It's like six nothing at the top of the ninth inning right now. But outside of this, outside of this game today, this is one of those games in Cincinnati, like my friend BT Do is over there, right? He's gonna come back and tell me that at least it was a really nice day and I had a couple of hoodies over there. And Reds fans have become all too familiar. Reds fans, especially that may drive over from here, drive over from eastern or southeastern Indiana, wherever it might be, easy drive. Go over there, get in, get really good seats, not have to pay a lot, not have to battle with a bunch of people to sit because the place is far from a sellout. This is one of those days where you go over there and just kind of hang out in the sun and enjoy the day. The Reds have had far too many of those days. But I will say this, up through last night, this team is fun as hell to watch, and there has been no greater schlep rock at this Reds team over the years than me. Like, I, I call myself out all the time. I call myself out on a lot of things, especially the whole Manning luck thing. I call myself out on that all the time. Although now you can kind of, I think, frame that thing up to make it make sense, even though it still doesn't, even though it's still really stupid. But all the time, I own that up all the time. And the other thing that I own up is I sit here often and I just wonder what if you and others had decided not to want to run Dusty Baker. I mean, Dusty Baker, I wish Dusty Baker was still the manager there. Nothing against David Bell, but Dusty Baker, and I know that there's normally a shelf life, and really, normally there is in any coaching situation. There's going to be a shelf life, especially in baseball. But I remember, and I was short-sighted in thinking back then, Ah, it's got to be Dusty Baker's fault. He's got to be run. I was like on that bandwagon, and there are more than a couple of different times since that point that I wish that Dusty Baker was back. And again, this has nothing to do with the the managing. It has everything to do with with bad takes at the moment, owning those bad takes, and then wanting to give Reds fans like myself a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, which it has been few and far between over the years. There's no question about that. 
Now, whether you're talking about the product on the field or the product on the field that's created by the executives' ownership and their suits and what they say. And I thought last night, night before last, the whole swirl of excitement and hype surrounding De La Cruz, he looking beyond legit. So last night was fun, and this team is, their everyday lineup, honestly, is fun as hell to watch. Now, their pitching will leave a great deal to be desired. (laughs) Will it not? And you just kind of thought, I think it was, who was it today, Graham Ashcraft? You just thought, yeah, I don't know about it. I don't know about it. And that's exactly how that turned out early. But no, seriously. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear it. And I know certainly Colts fans are sick and tired of hearing about it. I know Pacer fans, or at least me, I'm covering the team, right? And I'm sick and tired of hearing about how much longer term this whole thing is going to be before the expectations rain down. But you can honestly look at that with the Reds and you know, equate it to what a lot of you are going through right now. You're just kind of waiting for any level of interest whatsoever. You know, something that's going to take you the past couple of days. It's been De La Cruz has been coming from behind. It was Benson with his late game heroics last night. Yeah, Reds fans are owed that. There's been a lot more to talk about certainly negatively over the past six, seven years than there has been anything even remotely positive. So Reds fans are deserving of that. So bottom of the ninth inning, they go six, nothing Dodgers, Dodgers on their way to cruising to a win. I guess what's good for the Reds is they visit last place. St. Louis coming up for a weekend set. I am enjoying saying that last place, St. Louis, the last place Cardinals, That's enjoyable. And the Reds' everyday lineup, obviously minus whomever might be on the mound on that particular day, that is an exciting, fun, and enjoyable group to watch. Make no mistake. By the way, De La Cruz today, one of four on the afternoon. And my man went deep. 452. I don't know when's the last time I saw somebody and really in that ballpark, and especially with Reds pitching over the year, where it's basically like batting practice anyway, you would think you would see a little bit more, more than just occasionally a ball hit up there. Uh, he about hit it out of the park itself. Got every single bit of it, but still kind of left you thinking, this dude's got a little bit more of the tank even than that. Nah, it's been fun, though. Newman, McLean, De La Cruz, Steer. You know, I mentioned, you know, Benson's a guy that was actually gone and then came back. Guys like Fairchild. Fun to watch. So, Reds fans, you got a little bit of love right there. Things that are fun to watch. All right, joining us at the bottom of the hour, Grant Pugh, who I believe is the... Sports director over at Channel 2, that's WTWO in Terre Haute. 
I was looking this morning for somebody that's actually rolling into Fort Worth with the squad, and we'll get that from Grant. A couple of things. I know that he covered uh, the mishandling of that entire situation with the Super Regional, and we'll get to that. I'm sure put that to bed at least for the moment and then talk about this team because it has been a bit lost in the shuffle. And that's unfortunate when you get on a negative and everybody gets mad, whether they're getting mad at the school's president or getting mad at the school's director of athletics. You do tend to forget about the incredible accomplishments of this baseball team. And, you know, maybe we talked about with Mitch Hannes, their head coach, and and describe, you know, getting your cages rattled. I, I don't know what this might do. I think the issue in playing on the road in this type of situation is you have a team in TCU that has just been incredible offensively. I mean, incredible. This is the type of team where you wish that you were playing in front of your home crowd. And unfortunately, you're not. So there's going to be a lot to get over, a lot to fight through. For this team, game number one, by the way, is late tomorrow afternoon in the 5 o'clock hour, at least for an hour or so. We'll be able to keep you updated on that. Uh, Alex Golden of Setting the Pace going to join us at 4.30. I think Alex is going to explain to us yet again how many different scenarios are out there that look to have Miles Turner be traded. <laughs> I swear, every time I, every time I open up Twitter anymore, something with the Pacers... Should this team trade for Miles Turner? Does this team want Miles Turner? It's hilarious at this point. I don't even know what to tell you at this point. Because I still won. Me and those of us out there that stood up and stood up behind a great deal of basketball wisdom and were proven accurate. But it is an absolute never-ending saga. What about this team? I mean, hell, we were just talking about it yesterday. Well, I wasn't talking about it, but it's brought up. Everybody, everybody's out there looking for these assets. You guys, you guys have assets of gold here. You guys, some of you guys don't want the Pacers to win for about 10 years. (laughs) I don't have that much time. My, my, My shoulder's hurting. My knee's hurting. I'm 53. Let's go ahead and get this thing cranking. I tried to explain that to Chad Buchanan. Hey, listen, I I need to see some winning. It's been a while. Let's get this thing going. What do they say? If you feel it, deal it. That's what we say to guys that can't shoot. If you feel it, deal it. But no, it seems like this offseason is going to start where a lot of this past off season was going the entirety of the time and that is what are they going to do with miles i swear i'm gonna have to bring up to alex golden i'm pretty sure this was him and i'm not bagging on alex whatsoever here but i'm just kind of getting primed right i'm getting primed for the visit i'm not sure that i read something that he said that he just can't get out of his mind the Pacers having interest in DeAndre Ayton. I would just have to rip everybody. Just everybody. Everybody's going to get ripped for that. I can't imagine. 
Like, I can easily get past it. I can go, no, no, why? Why? And I know what Frank Vogel said. Good for Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel is trying to rally his guys. And his guys may not be his guys once the season gets underway. But when you're go- going into a massively disappointing situation, and you're likely going to make a, a significant change with Chris Paul, and you have had some discontent, right, surrounding that team, and you're like in a, you better do something now. That's that's why Frank Vogel is the do something now guy. Yeah, you can hire an assistant coach to do something later, later. Like I still view Rick Carlisle that way. He's like the do something now guy. Let's do something now. But Frank Vogel is definitely in Phoenix, the do something now guy. And to get those guys together, you got to make sure that you look really good for the new owner. And what was a massive disappointment a year ago. Or I should say not a year ago, but last month. Massive disappointment. We'll talk to Alex Golden about that. DeAndre Ayton, <laughs> I guess, hey, listen, I, I guess it would stand a good reason that they did almost this time last year sign him to an offer sheet. They did do that. I would like to think that they incredibly regret it and feel really good about where they are right now, but I cannot confirm that. I'd like to think it, though. Now, we'll talk to Alex about that and more coming up here at 4.30. Mike Chappell's going to slide in at 5 o'clock. So, Bryce Young is officially the guy in Carolina. Listen, I know that there's no hurry. I just want it to be similar here. And I know that Minshew is, at least from what those that are covering are allowed to see, He is the uh, one dog out there right now. I just want to see that transformed. I don't want to see that they selected number four overall, a dude that's going to take a lot of time. And I like Gardner Minshew a great deal. And it, in normal circumstances, would not bum me out at all to watch him quarterback, but this is not a normal set of circumstances. It would bum me out now. I want to punch that clock and let this guy get going. Yeah, I know you guys are telling me it was Clayton Kershaw dealing today against the Reds. I don't know if the Reds would have been able to hit a beach ball that Clayton Kershaw was throwing out there today. Uh, clearly, they could not. But we got a lot to go over with Mike Chappell coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. Some other NFL stuff we'll dive into as well. Got your chance to win. Jeff Foxworthy tickets. Laughing Matters. That show is coming up. Got a couple of tickets a little bit later on. And we've got 50 cent tickets for you on this show a little bit later too. A getaway day for James. Um, James doesn't really have a lot going on tomorrow. This is like the first time I've ever worked with somebody. And the reason why, once again, James, the reason why you're taking the day off tomorrow is not to soak up the sun, not to relax, um, not to do anything with the family or friends. This is the first time for me. The reason why you're taking the day off tomorrow is I'm getting a new tattoo. I'm getting a new tattoo. 
<laughs> now, does this take a while? Oh, you yeah. You got to take the day off to get yeah. a new tattoo, do you? Uh, for this one, yeah, it's going to be a long day in the chair. How many things do you actually willingly pay for that you know you're going to be in pain? I mean, I guess. How many other- things are there? This, uh, maybe a I massage mean, that might do something. Obviously, medical situations, yeah. I get it. A massage. I've never had a massage. Neither have I. Yeah. I just I don't, even, I don't know about the whole massage thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've never had either. Not the uh, rub and tug, nor the ma- massage itself, <laughs> the legitimate massage. But uh, <laughs> it seems like, seems like to me it's always would be a little bit awkward. People know... People do swear by massages, yeah, but not so much. So you pay, how much will you pay to be in, well, a lengthy amount of pain to get this 10th tattoo? Oh God. Uh, I don't know if I want to say how much money. I think you should. I think you've been asked. I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. His uh, hourly rate is $200 an hour. What? He's a very good artist. (laughs) What is he? Picasso? Uh, I mean, his stuff is really good. (laughs) And I've kind of boxed myself in. So with Michelangelo is doing your tattoo. Two hundred dollars an hour. Yes, that's. I mean, that's what I paid for the other one I have on my arm. This one. Two hundred dollars an hour. Yes, sir. He's very good. Is that the uh, most expensive tattoo artist around here? Do that's, we know this? I, I'm not. I don't know for Are sure. You that going might, to the best. You're going with the Van Gogh of tattoo artists he, around here. He's up there. He's definitely up there. You want to have him do some Jackson Pollock on your arm today or tomorrow Maybe. or what? We'll see. That's a joke, and some people are going to get that and laugh about it. Others are going to go, what are you talking about? It's niche humor. Yeah, exactly. So we're not going to tell me how much it is. But So, okay, $200 an hour for the Vincent Van Gogh of tattoo artists. I'm not entirely sure how long it's going to take, so that will depend. Has he not told you how long it's going to take? I mean, it's, it's just kind of an estimate. Like, he... it. I don't think it's going to take as long as the two birds I already have on my arm did, because these took about what six. Are the, what do these two birds represent, by the way? Oh, these are just uh, at my parents' house. There's a ton of blue jays and cardinals. Okay. So whenever I see those two birds, I think of my parents' house and where I grew up. So okay. that's what that is. Gotcha. Um, I don't think the one I'm getting is going to take as long, because it's not as deep. Uh, there's going to be a hummingbird in there, but after that, it's kind of just background stuff to tie it all together, so I don't think it will take as long. But I can't really say for certain. May I see? I couldn't do that with my mom. So I'd have to like get a, get a tattoo of my mom out there at 3.30 in the morning feeding a bunch of raccoons. <laughs> I could, honestly, I could get that for and my me mom. Going, me going, what in the hibbity hell is going on here? My What's mom, happening? My mom also feeds the raccoons. Good Lord. I hear about it all the time, too. I'm a good son, and I go, yeah, you know, that sounds good. And I'm going, good God, what? What are you doing? What are you doing? So, no. All right. $200 an hour. Anybody else go to a tattoo artist that is $200 an hour quality out there? It's out of curiosity. All right, quick one when we shall return coming up on the other side. I'm glad you guys are here. We'll do some calls over the course of the afternoon, man. Four o'clock hour is going to be a really sweet spot for you guys to swing in here before Alice Golden comes on at 430 and talks about 19 different ways Miles Turner should be traded. Um, I'm just joking. Mike Chappell is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Grant Pugh is, I believe, the sports director at the legendary Channel 2 in Terre Haute, or maybe more accurately stated, 
Channel 2 in Farmersburg, Indiana. WTWO. We're back in the day. I watched Dennis Campbell. I watched Johnny Palmer. I watched Mark Allen. And just Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. T. Walker has been there doing the weather since I was in high school. It's amazing. Grant's going to join us coming up on the other side. Quick break, and we're back inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You got us on HD Radio, the stream, the app. Do not go anywhere. We're going to have some fun today. 93.5107, Five the Fan. The Ride with JMV. Thank you for your support. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, in honor of James, I couldn't find a tattoo song this quickly, but I'll go with Hang Fire from the album... Tattoo you by the Rolling Stones. That works. James out tomorrow. Who's in? Nathaniel? He's going to completely screw up everything tomorrow, isn't he? (laughs) Nah, Nathaniel will be great. Got stuff to give away. You guys sit tight. Alice Golden setting the pace. Mike Chappell, 5 o'clock hour. Some cult stuff. And as I mentioned, too, nice sweet spot in the 4 o'clock hour for you guys to drop in and talk about whatever you like. Meantime, Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline staked out at this moment. Fort Worth, Texas. Should be in Terre Haute. Fort Worth, Texas, however... Uh, Sports director, WTWO, the legendary Channel 2 in not just Terre Haute, but in Farmersburg, Indiana, off of 41. It is Grant Pugh with us. Hello, Grant. How you doing? JMV, great to talk with you. Happy baseball weekend. It is hot in Texas, but the Sycamores may be even hotter. We are excited for the Super Regional starting tomorrow night. Grant, I wish they were in Terre Haute. I'm trying not to beat this thing to death here, but I wish they were in Terre Haute. I hope that it doesn't come down to, you know what, had they been playing at home, this thing could have been different. I hope not. I hope not either, but, you know, positive out of the negative, hey, I issued the home team in the first game and the third game if it goes to three games, so at least they'll get to bat last. No, it's not going to be the same in front of the fans and atmosphere that you guys saw at Bob Warren Field last weekend. But as we try to spin, you know, something positive out of something negative, this team is ready to go. I mean, it's just a business trip for them. They were happy to put all this aside after they left Terre Haute yesterday, flew out to Fort Worth. Hey, we know we're not hosting. It's over with. Yeah. Let's get out here and play some baseball and try to go to the College World Series. Hey, how does the uh, home the home field of last at bats in this case, how, how does that work as far as college baseball in the postseason is concerned? You know, it's changed a little bit. I think the Sycamores are going to be the home in the first and third. They yeah. say they were originally slated to be the host. But then we had a weird circumstance with the Valley Tournament a couple of weeks ago. ISU was playing Evansville. ISU was visitor in both games. Evansville was the one seed. I heard there's an NCAA rule. I don't think a team can be visitors three games in a row. That's that's what I know of because ISU lost game one to Evansville. And, of course, they won the Valley Tournament that night. But they were visitor in both games, which was kind of puzzling to us. It's a 5 o'clock coming up tomorrow, game number one of that Super Regional down in Fort Worth between Indiana State and TCU. Grant Pugh of Channel 2 and Terre Haute's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So let's go into full detail because I know that you've done a great deal of research and they're there right now. I, I don't know this for certain. I have described TCU as the hottest offensive team in college baseball in the playoffs so far and certainly those to advance to the Super Regional. Is that too far off base? I don't think so. I think if you're a college baseball fan, you've been following this since the regional started. I think Wake Forest and TCU, 
two of the hottest teams, two teams that maybe no one wants to play right now, but the Sycamores aren't scared of anyone. I'm I'm curious though, offensively, from what you have have at least looked at. I haven't watched TCU once yet, but what, what do they bring to the table? Is it a home run power? Is it you know station to station type of single and get things going running wise? How do they score their runs? Because Grant, they've scored their runs in bunches. Yeah, they were hitting bombs away against Arkansas. If you guys saw any of that regional, they, one kid hit a couple home runs in a game. They they can score runs in bunches. So the Sycamores. Kind of have to find a way to, to get some solid pitching. Matt Jasic, Connor Finlong, two of the Sycamore starters. Jasic is kind of due for a good start, but we'll see. Obviously, when you're going against the Big 12, you're going to have to find a way to limit some runs when you can. We saw Indiana State and Iowa play a high-scoring game Sunday night in the clincher. Sycamores may have to have their bats rated to, to try to score with these guys as you well. Know, yeah, you know, Grant, too, I, I think about the way TCU just not – just handled Arkansas the three seed, but dismantled them offensively. Dismantled them and their pitching staff. And you know, I was talking to Mitch earlier in the week, and he was he was talking about this group and what they're doing at at the plate. Again, as we talked about, it's hard pressed to find anybody else from top to bottom of a lineup that's swinging a bat any better than what they are right now. It, it really is. So you're going to have a true test of this ISU pitching staff starting tomorrow. And we'll see. Like you said, even Monday, you know, Arkansas had some weather. They didn't play their games on Saturday, so TCU had a little break. They played Monday. Arkansas gets an early lead on them. Didn't matter. TCU still blows them out and wins and wins that regional. All right, Grant, uh, pitching-wise tomorrow, starters, and, and how much further has this, has Mitch gone to the Saturday game as well, or is that still to be decided? Still to be decided, you've got two good starting pitchers, Matt Jasic, who has had an outstanding year last year. He's been outstanding on the road. And then Connor Finlong, who is the Valley Pitcher of the Year, second-team All-American. So you've got basically kind of two aces. We don't know yet what pitch and his hand is going to be, rightfully so. You don't want to give TCU some extra ammunition right away. But one of those two guys is certainly going to start tomorrow. I would lean towards Jasic, but we'll have to wait and see if it's Jasic and then you save Finlong for Saturday, just in case, you know, if you go down a one, you've got your Valley Pitcher of the Year going Saturday. Well, and, and that's kind of what um, uh, he had talked about as far as the Mo Valley Conference Tournament was concerned. He just kind of goes with who's up next and 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 doesn't want to, and this is, is coming from Mitch, obviously, doesn't really want to deviate from, from what is normalcy for them most of the time, right? 100%. You want to stick with what's worked all year. I mean, you saw how these guys ran through the MoVal. A lot of those games on the road, they had some big non-conference games on the road, too. It was always J6 starting Friday. Been long on Saturday. I expect him to stick with that plan this weekend. Hey, Grant Pugh from Channel 2 and Terre Haute WTWO is down in Fort Worth with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Indiana State and TCU underway tomorrow. Game one of the best of three, Super Regional in Fort Worth, begins at 5 o'clock here at local time coming up tomorrow. What's impressed you the most out of this team that you've covered? And really, since that point in February, let's start at the 11 and 11 mark for this team and what what they have done to most impress you since that point? Yeah, as you said, they were 500. They were even 2-8 and eight before they were 500. So, you, you know, they lose to Iowa on a walk-off Grand Slam first game of the season. They play Miami first week of the season. They start out 2-8. and eight. Then you say they go 11-11. The fact that they didn't flinch once Valley play started, they just started mowing down. They won every Valley series, and that's hard to do. And then Mitch credits these guys, too, because – 
when you're a mid-major, you can't flinch down the stretch if you're trying to host regionals, which is what these guys were trying to do. So, you know, they didn't falter under pressure when they knew they had to take two of three from every Missouri Valley Conference series, and they did that down the stretch. So I think I think the composure of this team is, is one of the, the top notches, and they got some of the best composure I've seen. You look at the game last weekend, they were trailing on Friday against Wright State until Grant McGill comes through with a two-out RBI. They rally in the eighth and, of course, win game one, and, and the rest is history. Yeah, granted, was there a signature moment? Like one one signature moment that you recollect is you know one of the reasons why they they maybe began on really an unprecedented run that we have seen over a, a two three month period. They've been working all year. I think the fact that they were able to sweep IU in non conference was big. They swept Illinois, but Mitch even talked. There was a while back they had a practice. They were at SEMO at Southeast Missouri State. And, you know, Mitch said, hey, we're going to practice for an hour and a half. They ended up practicing for about three hours because they knew then how good they could be, but they were still kind of working the kinks out. But this, this team has had a goal all season long of not just winning a regional, but, you know, a chance to make Omaha. And they've got it right in front of them this weekend. Certainly sad it's not in, in Terre Haute, but, hey, it's, they're ready to fight scratch and claw against the Horned Frogs. All right, Grant, before I let you go, give me a, a couple of offensive players that you feel could help dictate things if things go the right way for the trees coming up this weekend. I look at Adam Pottinger. He had a home run in the first two games last weekend at the regional in Terre Haute. You look at shortstop Randall Diaz. His bat is not where you want it to be right now if he comes alive. Those are two guys. And then catcher Grant McGill. He had the big hit on Friday against Wright State. He's sometimes at the bottom of the lineup, which is okay. He's going to have a chance to knock some runs in this weekend as well, I think. It's uh, Grant Pugh, who is uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, how long have you been there? I flew in. Uh, I, I flew with the team yesterday, living in style, uh, JMV. We flew in uh, last evening about, uh, let's see, it was about 4.30 local time, 5.30 Indiana time. Only an hour and a half flight from Terre Haute, so not bad. Oh, you guys take the off team- from home and field, huh? Yeah, not nice. not bad for uh, the Channel Two life, living uh, living the dream. You're covering ISU baseball in, in Fort Worth. They're on the field now for warmups. They're going to get their first practice in about five minutes. TCU practice, their practice just wrapped. They're speaking to the press as we speak, so we'll get a chance to talk to Mitch and the Sycamores after practice today as we get set to play ball. I think. High 90s all weekend. Sunday looks to be 101, but, hey, it's supposed to be hot this time of the year in Texas. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. It, it, think of, uh, of Holman Field. This goes back to 19, maybe 92, maybe 93. I can't remember. I was I was coming over on 46. Normally I go through the country through GC, but I was coming over on 46, and all of a sudden this huge kind of wide-bodied jet just came over what was it wasn't a hill but it just all of a sudden came out of the horizon taking off from from home and field i didn't know that that size jets actually took off and landed there it scared the absolute crap out of me i mean oh, yeah it did. especially if, if you're coming back after a long <laughs> night or a fun night you see that fly over you're thinking what the heck in Terre Haute? yes heck, yes very convenient for these guys to leave, I think, from home and field, take off from there. And then they flew. They didn't fly to Dallas-Fort Worth. They flew straight to the Fort Worth airport, which was an easier commute to the team hotel as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting ISU alumni. A lot of them are here. They're having a big yeah. tailgate tomorrow for the families and stuff. I just checked JMB. I think beer prices are eight seventy-five and 13 We'll see how much beer is consumed tomorrow. But, you know, these fans are – I think it's sold out in about 15 minutes. These fans are rowdy. And I did see – I don't know if you touched on as well. I think they're going to donate – yeah. Every a dollar for every concession stand to the Special Olympics was a cool. No, thing that too. that is really cool too. That that part was in a story, Grant, and and obviously I was 
I was pretty hardcore on what I felt was a couple of different folks in this case, those that make the the decisions, just dropping the ball majorly. Um, I was I was talking that up all week. But if there is something that is strong and certainly noble to come out of this, it's the thoughts of, of what TCU is doing in terms of their hosting now and not, not Terre Haute. That's pretty cool. Very cool indeed. And, hey, it could be an extra rallying cry for these Sycamores this weekend. How many fans do you think are out there? There's I don't know. We'll see, them. we'll see tomorrow. I haven't seen many yet. But, you know, a lot of the players' families will be here for sure. And I don't know. I, I need to check with ISU Athletics. I don't know how many tickets they were allotted. But I expect you'll see some blue here tomorrow. And Sycamores, have, you know, they traveled to a regional in, in Bandy in 2021 and 2019 with some fans. And I hope some fans made the trip this weekend because this, this is a big deal. You know, you're talking 1986. It's been a long time since ISU has has done something this exciting in uh, college baseball. I can't re- – the 86 team, I, I can't remember. I, I do remember when, when Zane Smith, the left-hander that had just a, a great deal of major league experience, was the guy over there. Who Do you remember who – and you're really young, you probably don't. Who was who was the dude on the 86 team? Do you remember? I, I, I can't remember either. M- Mitch was a freshman. He said he remembers getting a bat. That's about it. That was his <laughs> joke last weekend when asked about the 86 team, but – no, I was uh, I was a year old in '86. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, not you know, but that's that, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, what what a special you know th- these fans last weekend. You know, we, they've credited them all week. They showed up to Bob Warren Field. It was rocking. Now let's channel that energy and see what they can do on the road this weekend. No, there's, there's no doubt about that too. And I, I kind of hope, but I'm I want to put pressure on people here because if they go go to Omaha, I kind of want to go do a show out there. I think that'd be a hell of a time. So hopefully we can work something out. Come on out. I'll I'll do the show with you. We'll we'll talk Sycamore baseball. We'll talk everything Sycamore. We'll talk Green County sports if you want as well. Oh, yeah, you cover that. I know. Hey, where's, where's Joey Hart going? Does he know? I don't know. He's got a visit to Kentucky, to Indiana, so we're still not sure. Where he's going? Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Well, what was the not- what was the reason behind? I guess a going and signing with Central Florida, and then b deciding to decommit from Central Florida. I I, I haven't had a chance. I haven't called Joey and, and asked or or talked to anybody down there. What was the reason behind that? I'm not sure either, JMV. I haven't had a chance covering these baseball guys to ask as well. But obviously, any kid's going to do what's best for him in certain certain situations. You got a special talent like Joey Hart. He's got opportunities like IU and Kentucky, Central Florida. I mean, that's big for a kid from Greene County for sure. Did they did they come at him, or was this instigated by by him and and his family and such? How, you know how that worked? I, I do not, JMV. I do not. Well, I hope for the best because he's a really good kid. I do, I do. Even yeah, though he's do, from too. he's from Linton, he's on the other side of the river, but he's still that's a really right. good kid. He is, and we look forward to big things from him, and can't wait. You know. He's not going to participate in the Indiana All-Star stuff this weekend because of an injury, but, hey, he's he's got a bright future ahead. All right, Grant, we'll be uh, watching your Twitter handle live from Fort Worth to give everybody my best there in Farmersburg at WTWO when you get back. And hopefully, hopefully we're talking about this team in the College World Series in Omaha this time early next week. I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, JMV. What a week that would be. And love your show, man. Talk to you soon. Grant Pugh right there. That's WTWO. Terre Haute. Sports director. We went on a field trip. I think I was a second grader. We went on a field trip, and we went through WTWO and Terre Haute. I, that was like a big deal. 
I think that's the same time we went to the legendary, you guys ready for this? The Billy Creek Village. Anybody ever been there? I think that's, where is that? Other side of Rockville? Yeah, that was, that was a big field trip. We went to Billy Creek Village, WTWO in Terre Haute. And I don't even know if this place still exists or not. Down by Duggar, Storybook Village. Storybook Village. And I think I may have, I was eight. I think I may have been peed on by one of the animals, I think. I think so. I had this, I had this awesome, I had, remember when Sears, and I still think that's the state of the art. When Sears put out all the NFL activewear, and you would get that Sears wish book, I would go like three different places, right? I would go to the toys, I would go to the NFL section, and I would go to the bra section. We'd always like three different things, right? But when they had the trademark to NFL gear, there was nothing better than that. They made absolutely everything. I mean, I had Chicago Bears robes, pajamas, uh, bedspread, you know, shirts, jerseys. I mean, it didn't look like state-of-the-art jerseys. It said, my, my Walter Payton said Bears and 34. You know, no name on the back, anything like that. But I had this really awesome-looking gray long sleeve that had property of the Bears 34, I believe, in the left corner. And it was ruined by something. And it smelled, I I think it was uh, an animal at Storybook Village, James. Storybook Village. That's a big day. That's a big day for a second grader in GC. WTWO for lunch right there. Grant Pugh is the sports director, and he's in Fort Worth. Uh, best of luck to Indiana State beginning tomorrow on that Super Regional on the road against TCU. I'll, I'll get to this coming up on the other side, too. I know a lot of people had asked about any watch parties. I'll get you some info on that coming up on the other side, too. A little bit of time for in the 4 o'clock hour. Alex Golden, Mike Chappell, and a lot more still to come. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Please, up. Three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Grant Pugh of WTWO and Terre Haute in Fort Worth tomorrow. Actually, right now, but for tomorrow and then on Saturday. And uh, now we'll see what happens for the weekend. But outstanding with Grant a little bit earlier regarding Indiana State and the red-hot, collegiately speaking, baseball squad that is TCU. Five o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, I have seen a variety of watch parties here. What is that? Now, this one's in Terre Haute. It's at Idle Creek Golf Course, Rick's Garage. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll find there's no doubt that uh, the Ballyhoo Pizza King will be having one. Hey, Emery says this. This is very nice. 
Emory says, JMV, I just moved to Omaha last July from Noblesville. You have a home base out here if Indiana State Baseball makes it to the College World Series. Man, that is well done. Thank you very much. Um, I'm hoping that there needs to be a decision in that capacity. No, I know Reds fans. I loved it last night. Last night, last night felt like a high water mark for this Reds team for the first time since dot 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 question mark. First time since. I mean, it felt that was as feel good of a story that to me the Reds and the Reds fans could celebrate for that moment that they've had in a while. Now, again, if you look at the scoreboard update today, 6-0, get blanked by the Dodgers in that getaway afternoon affair over in Cincinnati. But still, that didn't take away from last night. Last night felt like one of the better nights that Reds fans have seen in a long time. Uh, Reds do lose today to the Dodgers, final 6-0. Also gone final it was the Rays 4-2 over the Twins. Did the Nationals game get postponed because of the uh, smoke and the air quality stuff? Do you but know? I think so. Oh, Lord. I'll tell you what. Those pictures from New York yesterday, which caused postponements as well, that was ridiculous. Yeah, they postponed it because of the air quality. Man. I was thinking about that a little bit earlier today. I have had, um, and I don't know, maybe it's just nature. I've had an inordinate amount of birds try to fly into my vehicles. And I didn't know I didn't know if there's something behind the air quality that may be driving these guys crazy because it seemed like every time. It's like jet, I mean, I'm getting sideswiped by birds. Is there something in the air quality that affects their judgment? I don't know. Asking the wrong guy. No, sounds like something very Hitchcockian right there. I don't mean to, but affecting their judgment. Now, listen, the squirrels are one. The squirrels, I mean, they're called squirrels for a reason. I mean, they're not called cool and calms. They're squirrels, and but the birds is weird. I thought that today. I thought, I wonder if this air quality, sometime we're going to hear that. Will the air quality have affected the animals? Uh, Anyway, Nationals and Diamondbacks postponed due to poor air quality in the D.C. area. And I mentioned the Rays and the Twins, 4-2 Rays, a winner a little bit earlier today. Three games ongoing in Major League Baseball. Check that now, just two ongoing. Uh, 4.05 start here for the White Sox and the Yankees. That's a doubleheader. It was postponed last night. I'm assuming they're going today. I haven't seen that be postponed yet. Uh, Orioles and Brewers, Milwaukee, the leaders in the National League Central, 3-1 over the Orioles, top of the seventh inning, and the Rockies a 4-1 advantage over the Giants as they play through the end of the third inning out in Denver. 239-1070. Email address is JMV at 10 seven. Check that, JMV at 1075thefan.com. And inside the lounge via YouTube Live, if you guys are in there discussing what may or may not be affecting the birds, just curious. 
because too many of them are flying and broadsiding me in the in any of my vehicles. It's ridiculous. Right into the side. Uh, it's from Andrew. So I was really excited with India as a rookie, but De La Cruz is a completely different level. That's because De La Cruz looks to be completely different than anything you have seen as a Reds fan in forever. As a position player, make no mistake about it. And I was trying to think, I mean, obviously when they signed him and you brought Aroldis Chapman in and he was throwing triple digits, that was, oh, wow. But this is different. This is different. You know, he wears 44. And when you're thinking about a five-tool type of dude, Eric Davis comes to mind immediately. You know, maybe that's it. I just can't remember the last time you would be excited for somebody like this. And, you know, you go all the way back to the days of Eric Davis. I know everybody was excited. Everybody was excited. People probably tend to forget this. I remember when Gary Reedus was coming up. And Gary Reedus was going to be like the next coming of something in the mid-80s, and that never turned out to be. But I, I don't know if we have ever seen um, anything with the opportunity and this capacity as De La Cruz has, as a Reds fan. At least I, I can't remember it if we have. Certainly it's been a while. Uh, Paulie and Indy says this, so I'm going to go out on a limb with Tattoo James. James is single. James, are you single? I am. James is very single and incredibly tattooed. $200 an hour with his tattoo artist. Anybody out there pay $200 an hour to get a tattoo? That guy could take like all the time in the world and cost you a bundle. Could he not? I mean, I guess like you would hope he wouldn't, because then all the that time would in the world kind of spread around. I would guess. Man, see, and I remember this. Jr. brings up Jay Bruce, and Jay Bruce certainly was the multi-tool player. I don't remember feeling like this though. I don't remember thinking in terms of Jay Bruce could be this, or could be like this. But Jr., I think you're accurate on that comparison right there. I mean, and again, when, when Chapman came up, he was just throwing absolute gas as a left-hander. But it is much different. It certainly was fun. Last night was a high-water mark for the Reds for the first time in a while. Doesn't mean they're going to win anything. Doesn't mean they're going to win the division. But you kind of look at this with a little bit of hope and certainly there has not been a little bit of hope surrounding that organization in a long time. Chris Welsh who is on the Reds TV and radio network coverage going to join us coming up on the show tomorrow before they end up taking on St. Louis. Last place St. Louis over in St. Louis coming up tomorrow. Chris Welsh will be on the show. Hashtag Ask Pats tomorrow too, right? Yes. Yeah. Hashtag ask. I'm going to ask him about this bird question here. Air quality in birds. Does it affect our wildlife? Just out of curiosity. All right. 239 
1070. I said the 4 o'clock hour starter is a sweet spot, and Donk has jumped on the opportunity, much like he does every Saturday night on the JMV Takeover. Hello, Donk. What's up, buddy? Hey, dude. I'm great. De La Cruz. De La Cruz kid, he's going to look great in pinstripes next year, my friend. <laughs> well, it won't be next be year, fantastic. but it'll be one of these days, probably. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Stay outstanding. Hey, hey, look, man. So, this, I will weigh in on the draft this year, man. Hey, obviously, we have a problem in our front court. We got we got miles and that's great, but our four is our four is weak. So what can we do? We got four picks available, I think, in the top thirty-two. What can we do to trade some of them? Because we're obviously not bringing in four rookies. I mean, what is there anything out there that you're seeing that I mean, uh, the, the kid from New York or or that the, the Hoosier from Toronto? I mean, it, I mean, what can we yeah, do to well, show up that four spot? And, and, and you're bringing up, a, for example, like OG Ananobi, you, you brought up right. his name. That's that's most commonly brought up. I, honestly, Donk, I don't know, besides those names we've already heard, what substantially you might be able to do. But I'm with you on this. I would much rather them, and, and maybe it's because I, I hope that they're in this position. I hope that they feel that they're in this position. I would rather them parlay these built-up assets that we have to hear about all the time and make a run at somebody already established in the NBA than, you know, either draft somebody or, as you put it, you're not going to keep all these guys, you know, trade these picks to get, you know, assets, first-round picks in, you know, 2027, for example. I I don't want to really see that. I would rather them see – I'd rather feel like, Donk, that they believe they're in a really sweet spot right now and to add a veteran to the mix here or there would work out. I would like to see that. I mean, I, I do too, but I just don't. Man, Pritchard scares me to death when it comes to big guys, dude. Man, with that one, Goga. I mean, come on, he he drafted Goga. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. got we got to do we got to do better, but we got to do better. No, hey, man, man, go, go trees, you're right about guys. what they need. Go you're trees. about what they need. Go trees, fellas. You got it, Donk. Thank you very much, man. Ah, he's right about that. I I guess part of me hopes more than anything else that they feel that they're there in this position. I just don't know how much I can take and certainly hear what you're doing to fortify in the future. You know, the assets and the flexibility you have in the future. I know what you're saying. Oh, you want near instant gratification. Hey, listen, there's been nothing instant about this process. I just want to know, I just want to know, want to feel, want to believe that in their mind that they're a lot closer or or they're maybe more in tune to what we felt like they could be, especially after December of this past year. So, I mean, whether it's somebody like OG and nobody, I, listen, I doubt it. I mean, obviously the reason why now, the reason why is because his name is Miles Turner, but the reason why you hear his name, you hear Buddy Heald's name, I understand the Buddy Heald situation. I mean, I understand if you want to get something out of him now and you're concerned that his value compared to what he is going to be paid will decrease, and then you're kind of either going to be stuck or you're not going to have any options. I will tell you this again regarding Buddy Heald. He brings to the table. 
He brings an asset that others simply don't have. And in terms of value in the NBA, it is at the top of the list. Knockdown shooters. Guys that are threats from distance. And what I mean by a threat is this. I mean legitimate. And you can tell who's a legitimate threat and who's not by the scrambling of the defense. And I brought this up in this series of NBA Finals games, the first three in game two. It's enjoyable for me to watch. It's enjoyable for me to watch in a situation when Duncan Robinson comes in, and especially if he knocks down his first shot, to watch the way these defenses scramble and then make mistakes because they're scrambling like that. You saw that a couple of different times. I enjoy watching that aspect of the game, and that's what Buddy Heald brings to the table. You have to account for him wherever he is. So I don't know if I'm so easily moved by, well, you know what, he's not going to be this in a couple of years, and you know everybody is just dictating his value to me in a couple of years. Everybody's worried about... You know, five and six years down the road, I just I, I kind of want to see and hope that they are ahead of schedule as we've talked about or as we've asked in the past. So that is that is my hope. I, I don't know. I mean, I will understand it. But at the same time, be bummed about, well, the Pacers just traded this first round pick for a future first round pick and. You know, 2027 or 2028, I just go, okay, I know, leverage, and we have to go through all that again. Assets and leverage and flexibility. And Rob Kravitz was on the show yesterday talking about, you know, the future. If it's not this coming year, then it's the year after. I, I want them legitimately to be held accountable for this year. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe that these players – would believe the same. I think Tyrese Halliburton, I think Tyrese Halliburton wants to hear anything. Well, you know what? I don't know about this coming here, but really next year, that's, these guys don't want to hear that. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Back with it, and Eric is up next. Hello, Eric, how are you? Hello, my friend. I have a question for you, Yes, sir. Eric. And I, I'm like you. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but uh, this is right up your alley. <laughs> Here, here is the question I have. Why couldn't they have moved the Special Olympics to Vincennes University? You know what the facilities are. There, we've got the brand-new intercollegiate sports facility, the P Complex, Belas Gym. You know what the track and field facility is. Could, could that have been moved? No, because they've held this event for 51 years. And you know what, Eric? I don't expect them, nor would I expect them to try to move it or to move it to another weekend or another town. I would not expect that whatsoever. I I think it's incredibly noble doing what they're doing and have hosted this for the past 51 years. But what they could have done is they could have done a better job about still having – the super regional in Terre Haute. I mean, they basically deferred 
No. You know, I mean, they just said, you know what? Yeah, we can't do it. I mean, think about when they deferred. They deferred back on, I think, May 27th. They figured it. out back then that they couldn't do it. And that, that to me, and, and what I love about what they do with the Special Olympics, and I, I remember that one when I was over there for a summer as well. Um, I would not at all want them to move that, but to be able to soak it all up at the same time for the sake of your baseball program, that's exactly what I expected. And in terms of this cliche, they didn't give it the old college try, Eric. They just didn't. No, they didn't. They just didn't. They just at kind all. of put their hands up, and whether you know whether it's you know Sherrard, because I I know that the president, uh, what's her name. I know that um, she kind of put that in the lap of Sherrard, and then Sherrard is the one that owned it in in that press conference. And it doesn't really matter at this point. I mean, they're both chief decision makers over there. Uh, there should have been a better decision. And you should have known, and you should have said, all right, we can do all of this. This is where we are right now. But, you know, just deferring before any of this happens is incredibly disappointing, and hopefully that does not have a profound effect with this baseball team coming up this weekend in Fort Worth. Well, here's what I'm concerned about. Would this, if they remodeled the uh, Rose Hallman, if they would get a chance to get NCAA games, would the NCAA say, well, they didn't want the baseball, so we're not going to give them this? No, I don't think so. I mean, I okay. no, I, I think that that's, that is on a, a tournament-to-tournament, situation-by-situation basis, I believe. Good. Eric, well, anything well, else? I think that's about it, my friend, but uh, just wanted to check in and see what you thought, and I appreciate you it. You got too. it, Eric. Thank you very much. No, I didn't want to see them move anything, but I did want to see them say, all right, now we got this going on. This is awesome. Now we got this going on. It's going to be even more awesome. It's going to work. Uh, easy for me to say, right? But I'm sorry. That's the right move to make. Yeah, pulling the plug on that before you even know you're going to be a part of it. It is. It seems to be a defeatist mentality that has surrounded that place for a while, and and they are trying to get away from it. And I want to see them get away from it. It certainly could have been dealt with much better, and should have been. No question about that. We did get a check-in from Grant Pugh of WTWO in Terre Haute a little bit earlier from Fort Worth. All right, bottom of the hour, I'm assuming Alex Golden's got 19 different ways that Miles Turner's going to be traded before the start of the Pacers season. (laughs) I'm just joking. I think that's what everybody asked him. I will say this. Miles, because of Miles' contract, because of Miles' play this past year, Miles is a definite commodity. And it would seem to be more than just, hey, you know what? Charlotte likes him again. Yeah, I think the Pelicans like him again. He is a definite commodity. I would just rather see him perform at a higher level, continue that here, than I would someplace else. Or at the very least, you would have to show me and prove to me a reason why this makes sense. You know, outside of, hey, you don't like him, or, you know, he plays with Legos, or, oh, you know, look, look what he's got on. Bert says this, Zane Smith always looked like one of the Daryl brothers from Newhart. <laughs> he did. He did. 
There's no doubt. I was trying to think. He was on the Braves pitching staff. He had success both in Atlanta and two notably in Pittsburgh. I want to say he was on that Pittsburgh Pirates pitching staff when they lost to the Reds in the 1990 NLCS. But he was a part of the Braves as well. I was trying to think when that was. He may have, because I think Pete Smith may be a part of it. He may have still been a part of that pitching staff when Smoltz was there, and Smoltz was a starter. Glavin was there. Uh, that would have been prior to Maddox. And I think Steve Avery, the left-hander, was also a part of that staff. I want to say he was a part of a couple of those teams down in Atlanta as well. Uh, former Indiana State Sycamore, Zane Smith. Quick break. We shall return. Mike Chappell, 5 o'clock hour. I'll tell you what we're going to do right now. Let's surprise everybody. Want to do it? All right. Laughing Matters, the show. Jeff Foxworthy. Got a couple of tickets for you right here. 239-1070. Number nine, Jeff Foxworthy. Laughing Matters show. Your chance to win. Number nine at 239 239- 1070, you're going to be a winner. Alex Golden setting the pace. That's next. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, the uh, Big Ten football schedules for 2024 and 2025 are out. Um, If you notice, they have protected rivalries here, right? Um, IU and Purdue protected. Give me a great example. Iowa has three protected rivalries right there. Get back to all this in a second. 2024, by the way, 2024 for IU, they go to UCLA, and in 2025, they host USC. So this Big Ten football schedule for 2024 and 2025 would be inclusive of the two Southern California schools. Now... As for Purdue in 2024, they go to USC. And in 2025, they host UCLA. Just so you know. And yeah, it's right. Like Adam Rittenberg said, for those with great eyesight, (laughs) you did. Todd Meyer's awesome and printed this out. And I'm still going, wait a minute, do I need glasses? Get back to that coming up in just a minute. But a heads up on that for 2024 and 2025, the Big Ten football schedules, the schedule of opponents, including USC and UCLA from Southern California. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, he is from Setting the Pace. We talk Pacers and I'm sure a lot more with Alex Golden here, again, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So are you going to go on 19 different podcasts and talk about trading Miles Turner? I know that's not you. You get asked that question, by the way. But is that like the most yeah. commonly asked question you're asked when you go on these podcasts? Or am I making too much out of it? Yeah, a lot of times it's kind of like it's always thrown in there. I was on a Pelicans podcast not too long ago. I think it was Tuesday night. 
And the first question that we started off with was, what would it take for the Pelicans to get Miles Turner? And I'm like, oh, okay, we're going here again. All right. So I was kind of surprised uh, that that's how we started things off. But, yeah, I mean, it just feels like Miles Turner will never stop being in trade rumors for whatever reason. Well, I, th- I think it's different now, too, right, Alex? Because prior to it was, well, this is what we believe he can be. And the Pacers were the ones that were constantly shopping him around. It seems like now that other teams have recognized uh, what certainly I have known. My hand is up for a long period of time, me and a select few. And now Pacer fans are certainly realizing the value of Miles Turner. Other teams seem like they're recognizing that. Is that what this is? Yeah, I would say Miles Turner's value is probably higher than it's ever been. So, you know, maybe that's why his name has come up more in trade talks is because he's a little bit more coveted by other teams and he still is only on a two-year deal. So that doesn't mean he's here long-term. It means that he's got the optionality to be a free agent in a couple of years. And so can the Pacers trust us keep him long-term? I don't know. Uh, I do think that it's interesting uh, enough to talk about. But at this point, I would be completely shocked if – he wasn't, uh, you know, on the roster for the entirety of next season. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. Now, you know, maybe a guy like Buddy Heald, you can't imagine that, even though I love his volume three-point shooting and or scoring making, I guess, in this case. And we'll get into that in a second. But, yeah, I, I can't. And I also saw the other day, you you had mentioned this, and maybe it was just in passing, that you can't get away from the thought that the Pacers would have interest in DeAndre Ayton. Now, was that because they had interest in him almost a year ago as of right now in the summertime? Is that what leads you to believe this? And if not, what is it? Yeah, I just I can just kind of see them dipping their toe back in that because it's it's one of those things where he's still a young center that's very intriguing. I know he's on a max deal, but they were clearly willing to give that to him last year. And kind of like I just said, Miles' value is as good as it's ever been. He's only on two. He's only got two years left. So even if they traded for eight, and they would get him for an extra year that they wouldn't have Miles under contract for. So I just kind of think that he brings a different dynamic. Personally, I don't like it as much as just keeping Miles because I think the the, the salary is the big thing for me, right? You know, DeAndre on the max for Miles is a descending contract, twenty one million dollars next year. So. I feel like you have more flexibility if you keep Miles, and I think that his rim protection is big. But I can also see the Pacers talking themselves into, you know, just having a different style of big man to go along Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but I think a lot of it just depends on how they felt the rest of the roster because they said they're still trying to figure out who their core is, and I think that's something – you know, we got to keep in the back of our mind as well when we're talking about how they go about building this team. I question this again almost this time last year, Alex. Is is that you think that they? would have the opinion of that is a style of big man that they would like, or is all this predicated on their belief in Tyrese Halliburton can make anybody better? Yeah, I I think it's probably more the latter with Tyrese just being able to raise the floor of so many players. Like, look at what he did for Miles last year. Now, Miles did his own stuff. Like, it's not just Tyrese for why Miles was good. I don't want that to be, you know, misleading by saying that, but I do think that Tyrese is this guy that's, you know, able to raise the floor of a lot of players. And if he can, you know, maybe I think sometimes a change of scenery is is key for guys like a guy like Aiden. Maybe a change of scenery would help. I don't know. But there's, you know, also some red flags with him saying that he just wanted to get to his, you know, max contract. Uh, I think he said that when he was like a rookie. 
So it's like, uh, is that really somebody you want to invest in? But I do think that the lob threadability is something that Miles isn't bringing. Is probably a better roller than Miles is, but not even close to the shooter that Miles is or the rim protector. He's got athleticism, don't get me wrong, but I just think Miles is in a different level when you're talking about three-point shooting and rim protection. I will say this regarding DeAndre Ayton. Frank Vogel comes in there and, and says all the right things, things you have to say to to you know make everybody feel good at the moment. But I still question whether or not that is going to be, you know, obviously they make changes with Chris Paul. Somebody else is probably going to come in. And now you have a new head coach. Even with Frank Vogel in there, I find it hard to believe that, that Aiton's going to be a workable piece within that organization moving forward. I think if you look at their roster, it's just got too many big contracts on it. So... That's why they waived Chris Paul or try to figure out the next move with him. And then there was a report that said DeAndre Ayton was also on the trading block. So obviously they couldn't trade him last year because he had like a, like a no trade clause. He had to kind of approve the trade. So that made it more difficult to move him. But I think now he'll be a little bit more movable in the offseason. And I think if they can kind of, for example, you know, like if they wanted to go after Miles Turner and the Pacers were interested in Ayton, not saying they should be, just saying if they were, you know, you get miles plus something else, and now you have two rotational players for one. And you might not feel like there's that much of a drop-off, or you might even actually think that Turner fits better with what they're trying to do than what Aiton brings. So I think that that's something just to keep in, in mind as well because the, the Suns really have their hands tied in terms of how they can go about building this roster with how much limitations they have cap-wise. It's, uh, Alex Golden setting the pace, talking Pacers, NBA, and more via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you think that there is more interest in Buddy Heald out there or more interest in the Pacers dealing Buddy Heald? Where do you think that situation is? You think bottom line, would they rather see him come back and be that three-point shooting threat, or you think they're actively searching for a new place? I think that they're actively probably looking to, to move him just because um, they have too many players in that position. And – I know that sounds, you know, like a, a bad or a good problem to have, but at the same time, it's like if a if a team is willing to offer you something for a Buddy Hill because they want the shooting, you have to listen. So I, I think that in regards to that, the Pacers with Chris Duarte, you know, he was their 13th overall pick just two years ago. He probably would be out of the rotation right now based on if the Pacers take somebody at seven and kept the roster as is, he really wouldn't be seeing the floor. So. If you're invested in Chris Duarte uh, a little bit, then then maybe you move off of Buddy Hill to let Chris Duarte get those minutes and kind of prove what he can do. Potentially could move them both. I just think that at the end of the day, you got to make this roster better, and they emphasize defense. And as great of a shooter as Buddy Hill is, we know that he's not a defender. And as a bench scorer, I would be okay with that. But at the same time, I just wonder if they should try to – you know, Buddy's value is probably higher than it was when he was in Sacramento. So do they try to cash in on his value and, and try to find a team that's interested? I think that could be something. But, yeah, you can never have too much shooting. And there's been plenty of rumors out there that the Lakers could look to add Buddy Heald in the offseason as well with maybe a Malik Beasley and pick 17 that they have. So maybe you could move up in the draft as well uh, to take on someone that's got a similar contract. and. That does make some sense to me. How much would that take away from the Pacers of the moment? But how much do you think that could help them in the longer-term future? You know where I am. I, I'm, I'm really sick of talking about the long-term future. I kind of want to take some pieces 
and believe you can put those together and start winning and go with it right now. But what do you think outweighs the other in this case? Is it the longer-term future where maybe you have a decrease in skills and an escalation in money going out contractually or the volume of three-point shooting? And and as I mention all the time, too, Alex, just the overall threat that he is, having to, to locate, having to tag him, know where he is on the floor defensively. What weighs out more, in your opinion, with Buddy Heald in mind with this Pacer team? I think I think the Pacers really like Buddy, right? There's a reason Rick Carlisle couldn't it took him a while to bench him, right, or, or let Mather and start in front of him. I think that they are enticed by what he does offensively, but I also know that all we've heard is they're preaching defense, preaching defense, preaching defense, and that's not something he's been great at. So I just feel like the writing is kind of on the wall. I think that when we had Chad Buchanan on our podcast, one thing that he said is we're going to determine how we go about this summer based on what's available to us. So while I understand a lot of people are like, we got to start winning now, you know, we are almost there. We were above 500 before Halliburton got hurt at the halfway point. I also think that this is year one of the rebuild. So it's one of those things where it's easy to put the cart before the horse, but I think patience is key here, even though it might not be the most enjoyable basketball to watch. I think that if we try to rush things too quick, JMV, you could be a team that's once again, stuck in the middle. And even though you have young players on it, I I think that winning is good for experience. But at the same time, you just got to try to get the best talent and and figure things out down the road and not worry about, okay, who's going to fit our roster this year and how can we be a four seed and try to get, you know, to the next round of the playoffs and get beat. I I think you're not saying a championship or bust. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm also saying is really a four seed realistic with this team based on the pieces they have? Probably not. So, there, there's going to have to be some, you know, heavy roster reconstruction to get this team, in my opinion, to, you know, top of the East in terms of like top four and really being able to compete. So I, I think that Buddy Hield is uh, a nice player, a fan favorite, but I don't think that he fits long term in my personal opinion. Well, what about Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith? We saw them minutes-wise fall out of favor, you know, down the stretch at, at moments during the season. What do you think they are as far as consistently a part of this roster future-wise moving forward? Yeah, I would say there's probably a higher chance that Isaiah is on this team moving forward than Jalen Smith. I mean, Jalen Smith was a starter and fell all the way out of the rotation completely. And – Isaiah Jackson is a very raw prospect still. I mean, I know he's in, going into year three now. He had, you know, slight improvements last year, but I don't feel like he took a massive jump. So I, I feel like both of these guys are still projects. I don't know if either of them are long-term answers, but with big men, it does take a little bit longer than potential guards and wings. So I'm not writing them off yet, but I think that Jalen Smith, while it was really cool to see him come back to the Pacers for, you know, less money, I guess you could say, than what was. Uh, at the same time, if you're keeping Miles Turner on this roster, he can't have a big play next to him that the opposing team is going to be able to put their five on because Miles Turner uh, isn't as effective when he's got a four or a three guarding him. So I think you're going to have to really look at that, too, when you're trying to build this roster. So that's kind of where I feel about Jalen and Isaiah. I think Isaiah's got the upper hand in terms of long term with the Pacers, but I don't think that, once again, they're tied to either of them. And if the right deal comes along, I wouldn't be surprised if they're involved in it.
It's uh, Alex Golden setting the pace on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, I'm going to use three players that the Pacers have worked out and uh, that have commonly been associated with that seventh overall selection. Whitmore, Walker, and um, uh, the kid from Central Florida um, right yeah, now. And if, if you were a wagering person right now and you had those three available at seven, which direction do you believe the Pacers would go? Yeah, I think I think you know with Larry Bird being in the room for all three of them, I have to ask his opinion first. Um, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, well, are, you, are, you, are you making fun of Larry Bird? <laughs> I've gotten so many Larry Bird jokes and text messages since he's been in these pictures. I had to throw one in there. Do, do people forget that Larry Bird was the coach of the only team that the Pacers had that went to the NBA Finals? Do we forget that, or are you guys all too young? Just wonder. No, I. Re- I remember, and he, he drafted Paul George, so you got to give him credit there. I mean, everybody missed him. What the hell's wrong with people? Seriously, what's wrong with people? Yeah, I kept getting Grady Dick to the Pacers as soon as Larry Bird uh, started showing up. I mean, I, I probably got 10 different messages saying that, and I was just, oh, haven't heard that one before, right? <laughs> but, I'm, t- um, I'm telling you, man. It's the same people that make fun of Peyton Manning around here. I, I just got to wonder how, why. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it just has to be It has to be dumbasses too young to even know. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, but go I mean, ahead. It's, it's guys older than me too. I will say that, but uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean I, I think people just have PTSD from drafting Mason Plumley at, at twenty six. No, but, there's I no mean, doubt. Well, there's, yeah, that was a huge mistake. You can look at you know Hansborough was a mistake. You can look at guys as a mistake, but. You know, I, again, I recollect the only time this team's ever been, that's where everybody's chasing right now and talking about what you got to do to get there and this is what you got to do to mm-hmm. have the most talent. The only team that's ever gone to an NBA Finals here was the one that was guided by Larry Bird. People commonly yeah. forget that. So, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. I got off track by saying a joke. But, no, I, I think right now, for me personally, I think Taylor Hendricks is the best fit. I think that his three-point shooting and secondary rim protection is very nice. I, I think Jairus Walker is probably more of the fan favorite, and I think that he might be the most ready-now player out of those three mentioned to come in here and contribute right, right away because he can be, you know, a secondary playmaker. He's a really good defender. I mean, for measuring at what six foot six and a half, six foot seven, and you know, having a seven foot two wingspan, like that's really impressive. And I think him is. He doesn't have a great shot from outside, and I wonder if he'll be able to guard uh, perimeter players at the four spot. I think he's more of a four that can play up a little bit bigger and guard fives, but for Taylor Hendricks, I think he can probably be a little bit more uh, flexible in terms of guarding wing players. So that's why I lean there. I think Cam Whitmore, he's really hard to uh, imagine with this Pacers roster just because I feel like a lot of the way he plays is very similar to Benedict Matherin. Not great playmakers, really good at getting to the basket, creating their own shots, but they're athletic in different ways. I feel like Cam Whitmore won't be on the board at seven for the Pacers. I think he's going to go top five, just my personal opinion, because he his flashes and his ceiling are, are really high. But I think his shooting's not been great. I think he'll end up being a better shooter than, than Jairus Walker. But I also just I worry about his fit with Matherin a lot just because I feel like can he guard – you know, more than threes and twos. I don't know if he can guard up and guard four fours. I don't think he's big enough yet. So um, that's why I kind of lean more towards one of the Hendricks or, or Walker that were here yesterday because it feels like they fit more uh, of what the Pacers are looking for. Um, but I, I do think that 
it's really exciting to uh, imagine having a, a, a shooter like Taylor Hendricks on the roster that can that can defend. So I think he's the guy for me that I would put at uh, pick seven if I'm the Pacers. So I, I look at at Walker, six foot eight. 240-plus as a guy, and especially playing at a place where you had to defend under Kelvin Sampson. Is he a guy that mm-hmm. translates to you defensively to the next level? Because to me, he does. What say you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I think he can guard up in position. I'm just not sure if he can guard perimeter players and be consistent at it. He's kind of boxy with how he's built. Uh, you know, I, I think that the 240 frame is almost – uh, he doesn't play like that. If you noticed, a lot of his shots that he took, too, offensively were floaters. Uh, you feel like he'd be a guy that'd be more of a bruiser type of player, and he really didn't show that. So it's like if he wants to be a little bit lighter and guard these wings, is he going to need to lose some weight and go about it that way? So that's kind of where I'm kind of torn on him because I do like him. I, I think that he's got really good feel for the game. I think that He's a good – he didn't really get to show much of the screen and roll, but when he did, I think he's smart enough that he could be a really nice, you know, pick-and-roll partner with Tyrese Halliburton, even though he's a little bit smaller. And he always makes the right pass, it feels like. But at the same time, I just – you know, with Houston, with the way their roster was constructed, he was kind of, you know, a secondary option with their offense. And defensively, yeah, I mean, everybody on their team was pretty good defensively. But I, I just feel like – He's a guy that right away can come in. I think he's got the highest floor of those three players because I, I think he's got less like less potential to fail. But I don't think his ceiling is as high. So that's only that's the only thing with him. I, I would be really happy if he was the pick, but I just I think he's gonna have to figure out t- to get a consistent jump shot because if he doesn't get a consistent three point shot, then it's gonna be very easy to guard him and make it more difficult for the rest of the team. And like I talked about with you know. Jalen Smith not fitting next to Miles because opposing teams are able to put their fives on Jalen Smith. I think you would see the same thing happen if Jarris is unable to hit threes. You're going to see teams cross match and put a five on him and make it easier for a four to defend Miles on the perimeter. Alex Golden setting the pace. Always got new stuff. Seems to be on a weekly basis as well. You can check it out. Setting the pace and we'll check in with you, Alex, as we move forward two weeks away from the NBA draft. It's going to be here before we know it. And then, um, then it ought to be interesting after that to see directionally where this team ends up going, what they end up doing coming up um, uh, when free agency is officially underway in July uh, in the NBA. It's always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate that. You have a great weekend, and I'm sure we'll check in with you next week. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I just want to say congratulations to your Reds. That was a fun victory last night. As a longtime St. Louis Cardinals fan, it's been a rough season. So uh, The last place, St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, they have been Sorry. rough this year. I was a... Uh, at the Guardians game on Memorial Day weekend, and yeah, they lost it in the ninth. So that was a fun one to be at. Um, but yeah, so it's a uh, it's a hot mess, and yep. you know, they can't get any pitching. So anyway, congrats to the Reds. I'm not a hater. Don't have a reason to hate. Uh, it's great to see them have some young talent. That's really exciting to look forward to. Yeah, De La Cruz is legit. Alex, I appreciate that, man. Have a great weekend. <laughs> All right, you too. Now we'll see you. Alex Golden setting the pace. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Quick break and we'll come back. Got tickets for you. I'll tell you what, where, when, and why. Mike Chapel, top of the hour, too. Don't leave. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under 5 feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Grant Pugh, WTWO in Terre Haute and Fort Worth, Texas, the side of the Super Regional. Indiana State, TCU coming up tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Alex Golden just with us, setting the pace. Yeah, and I understand when when people want to joke about Larry Bird, people want to joke about Peyton Manning, and I, I guess I'll never get that. I guess I'll never get And this wasn't on Alex, by the way, too. This is in response to what he was getting when Larry Bird was over watching some of these guys work out. I, I just That's why I have to suggest that there has to be a younger Younger audience, younger people that don't know. You imagine how much less there would be in terms of success around here without both? I'm just curious, and I know Miles Plumlee, no doubt. Hansborough, there's no doubt. Uh, the only NBA finals. I mean, I, <laughs> I know. You know, the only Super Bowl title. Eh. You get mad because he goes to Denver games. You'd go to Denver games too if you got cut loose around here after a great career, <laughs> wouldn't you? If <laughs> you went to Denver, you'd probably be in Denver too. So I, that that's the type of stuff I'll never get. And maybe I am inaccurate in blaming the younger generation, but if it is somebody my age that has been through just this incredible amount of losing. Often, I would never get it. I would never get that. I, I guess I just in, in terms of celebrating moments and wins and success, I'd be hard-pressed to ever really let that feeling get away. Yeah, regardless of if it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. Called History. Quick break, and we'll come back. Grant Pugh, Alice Golden, Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Mike Chappell on the other side. Do you think the Colts at all regret basically giving away Stephon Gilmore to the Cowboys for a song? Mike Chappell can answer that with us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right. Two things for this. Actually, three. Greatest saxophone song in the history of music. The absolute best song of the decade of the 1970s and will be heard, will be requested because the JMV Takeover on B105.7 coming up on Saturday night is Yacht Rock. It's a Yacht Rock weekend, and they do Yacht Rock weekend. They don't play Yacht Rock the entirety of the weekend. They do a lot, but I go six hours of nothing but a summertime smooth staple Yacht Rock. That, I'm sure, will be requested. So, best saxophone ever in a song? Best song of the decade of the 70s? 
and will be heard coming up on Saturday night, 6 until midnight, is uh, a Yacht Rock edition of the JMV Takeover, for which I cannot wait. Big deal. All right. Not a part of Yacht Rock, 50 Cent. I got tickets for the 50 Cent show coming up at the end of July, Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Also not a part of Yacht Rock, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes will be a part of that as well. Your chance to win is coming up in a bit, so sit tight for that. Grant Pugh, Fort Worth, Texas, getting set for the Super Regional between Indiana State and TCU, 5 o'clock local time tomorrow. Alex Golden setting the pace on the show a little bit earlier. We're two weeks away from the NBA draft, everybody. Two weeks away from knowing a lot or at least a little bit more in what should be, certainly could be a very interesting summer for the Pacers right here. Alex Golden's podcast, 1075thefan.com. Uh, meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from CBS4 and Fox 59, he is Mike Chappell. I'm, I'm curious, Mike, we'll dive into all this stuff that's transpired over the past week since we have talked, which has well really been a lot and certainly a large story. But with all this Isaiah Rogers news and what ultimately is going to be uh, probably, I would guess, a year-long suspension and no longer being a part of this Colts team, do you think the Colts at all are second-guessing giving away Stephon Gilmore for a song in the offseason? Well, I, 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 maybe, but it, 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 they had no idea this was going to happen. I mean, see, I, I, I don't think they had any inkling even before the draft. I think it just so happens. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm naive. They, they, were, they, they took three corners in the draft because they needed to, not – because in my, unless I'm way wrong, they anticipated this happening. You know, you, you take another step. Would they have made a better attempt to, or any attempt to resign Brandon Fashion, although he didn't play all that well last year? So second guessing it, I I don't know. I, I think this was a case where Stefan came in and said, you know, I'd really like to be with a contender, and and they acquiesced to it. So. I, I guess if you want to call it like some, some form of buyer's remorse, you wouldn't have done that. But that's hindsight. Now, I, I don't think they, I, I don't think they would have not done that. I think they gave Gilmore his his, his, his escape plan, and good for good for Stefan. What do you got a fifth round pick? I mean, those some of those guys making some of those guys don't. So they really gave him away. But it does so, get Chris Ballard incredibly excited. What do you say, fifth round pick? You had Chris had Ballard at fifth round pick. They had four this year for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, Chris Ballard's listening to this right now, getting incredibly excited, overwhelmed with excitement because of that. Yeah, yeah it, this is just such a bad situation. It, it's you know, it's one of those where it, it's two layered. It, it's bad for the team because they're losing a young player on the verge, on the brink of maybe emerging and really being a solid player for their defense and maybe earning a second contract and all that. But then on a personal level, it's just tragic because, because again, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, at the very least, it'll be an indefinite suspension. And indefinite is what it means. It means, you know, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe longer. I, you know, we, we were talking 
at the TV station today about the fact that if it comes out that he bet on Colts games, I mean, do you look at a lifetime ban? You know, I, I don't know. I, I maybe, but I, I think the indefinite suspension would sort of keep that in play. You know, it, it's of all the levels of, of things you can do gambling. He, he he hit all he hit all the benchmarks, which is not a good thing. You know, bet, bet at, the, at the complex, bet on the NFL, and bet on your own team. I mean, wow, that's that's all of them. So, I I, I do think we anticipate a indefinite suspension. And wh- whether Isaiah plays again, I don't know. I, I think it's it's worth wondering if if he doesn't. Yeah. As, as soon as this comes out, right? As soon as something comes down punishment wise, he's going to get cut. Oh, there's no question about that. I'm just talking about does he play again? No, in ever? the NFL itself. In the NFL, yeah, yeah. Again, there there are levels of transgressions on on each of these things, and he hit them all. And to bet on your own team, I, I, I it's really something the league. You talk to Jim Irsay all the time, and not about this, but he's always talking about protecting the shield, and he's talking. He's talking the NFL. He, his his views most of the times are are global. They're they're not indie. They're they're the league. And when you go down this when you go down this path of of things to do, and I understand, and fans and players will say, "We got to look at hang on the NFL's in bed with 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 gambling, and they've got a team in Vegas, and this, that, and the other." Yes, yes, but you can't gamble. You can't. You, the, the first second that fans believe or wonder if games are impacted by players who are gambling, what what have you got? I mean, if, if, once you lose your integrity, you're done. And that's why I think you know. I think they're going to come down with both feet, and if everything's proven. That includes betting on games and betting on Colts games. I don't know. I don't know how optimistic Isaiah Rogers should be about playing anytime soon. Yeah, and so he he knew of this investigation. Colts did not know of this investigation. That, I believe that. I, I checked with someone on Monday afternoon with the team and. They said, "I honestly don't know." Should should that piss them off even more, or is there a protocol oh, no, that his, I, that I his that, agent maybe said, "All right, don't tell them," and this is how we're doing this? I I, I think there's a, there's a, a a path to do things, and, and it starts with the, with the league, and it stays with the league until he gets to a certain point. So I no, I I don't. You know, people say, well, how, how could the well, Colts not know? Well, they, they weren't I, involved in this initially. But see, that, that's a part I don't get because that, that takes away your opportunity to, in any realm, be prepared for this. You know, maybe yeah, there were chances least, for you to prepare better for it had you had an inkling, not publicly known, but had you known internally about this, you could have done something different about it, couldn't you? You're talking player-wise. Yeah, I mean now. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, now, I guess, now you wait until Bradley Roby's like the most attractive free agent defensive back out there right now. Yeah, I, but I don't know that the league takes that into into account. Well, maybe they should, right? Well, that that that, yeah. that could well be, but it's not the league's concern. The boy, this is really going to screw the Colts at cornerback, uh, which it does, which it does. <laughs> uh, 
So, no, th- this is – and, again, I'm sure this got out a lot quicker than what – you know, these things always get out. They just do. I'm sure this got out a lot quicker than – or at least somewhat quicker than what the league was prepared for. Uh, and, and I'm sure that it, inside the Colts, initially there was some cuss words being thrown around because this 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 does hit them. It, it, it hits. I mean, of all the positions on that team, the one that, that was maybe least equipped to lose a projected starter, outside of losing one of your star players, is cornerback. And you know, yeah, yeah. If they known about this. A month ago, they wouldn't have done any more been any more active in, in in the draft. I don't think, but they certainly might have gone out and gotten a veteran when when they were really kind of in, in, in position to do that. They still are. They, they've got money. They, they and I think they should go out and get a a, a, a veteran corner because right now it's it's like Kenny Moore and a bunch of guys, you know, four four rookies and. You know, Dallas, everybody keep, a couple of times Chris Fowler brought up Dallas Flowers. He played like three, four games last year at corner because because everybody, a lot of the other guys were hurt. He was your kick guy, and he showed some, some good signs. You sign Eli Apple right now, and I feel like you're signing Champ Bailey in his prime. That's what I mean. And, <laughs> yeah. and the, the, yeah. the bad part now is whoever you bring in, he, he, his really first experience with the defense will be in training camp. You know, if you, you're, I agree. If they'd known about this a month ago, you sign somebody, and he's got he's got all your OTAs. He's got a month with, a month with with you in the system. You're not going to have that. So it's certainly not ideal at all. Uh, they were going to be young at corner. They were going to go with youth at corner. But all of a sudden, like Darius Rush, he's going to he's going to be really pushed up the, the ladder quicker. You know, we all projected. Juju Brents being the starter, uh, one of the starters uh, with, uh, alongside Isaiah Rogers. So right, right now it, it just takes. And again, if, if this isn't like, and, and I, I, we we saw good, we have seen good things from Isaiah Rogers. He's he has only started ten games at corner. This isn't like Avante Davis or whatever, who's really w- w- was a solid player and, until he wasn't. Uh, but but you but you really had really seen some good things from the kid and. And he was a great return guy, so th- this hurts. It does, uh, and, but th- th- this was going to be a tough year anyway. It, 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 you know, we've talked about that. This isn't like uh, a Super Bowl contender losing a projected starter. This is a team that was going to that is going to fight to go five hundred. I guess you can't go five hundred down unless you go eight, eight and one. But it, it, this, this was going to be a team that was going to really fight to be competitive if that makes sense it's redundant but but this doesn't help and it, it just makes it more difficult for Gus Bradley to fill a hole when there was already going to be some issues at that position and, and this too and this is certainly not as meaningful however as you bring up with Jim Irsay, it certainly is, and you bring it up in in terms of you know protecting you know what is yours or protecting the shield, protecting the logo, protecting the horseshoe. Right. Uh, it, it makes it much easier for those that commonly take shots at your your culture and what oftentimes you talk about how that matters so much and you know and again now this happens while you know you're on on watch and whether you had anything to do with it whatsoever, you're going to get tagged with the 
blame for that because obviously you're the head of the organization. Sure. And I think Mike, how that's not, how could you not know? How could exactly. You well, well, and, you, and you I think that's know, why yeah. they're. I think that's why now because I'm kind of surprised they have they have been so. I guess you would say good in letting players like on this station, Zaire Franklin with the morning show. I think Alec Pierce was on with Greg in the midday yesterday. And it has been a consistent response to the one question that they know they're going to get asked about this is that, hey, you know, we get educated. We know about this. And and to me, that is to tell all the Colts fans that this is not a cultural issue. This is an issue with one rogue numbnut that did something stupid. Yeah, I've heard like those people say, "Well, you know, what should the Colts do, do more educating players? What what can you what else can you do? I mean, d- d- does a player really not know that he's not supposed to bet on NFL games or your own team? I mean, are you serious? That, that that's what. Yes, this is this is a individual problem. I, I believe, and I'm not being a homer for the team or for the league. I think they do all they can do to educate guys. That there's sign, there's a sign in the locker room, and every locker room, you know, hey, idiot, don't don't gamble. You know, it, it tell it just it just it's there, and and you know, and it, as, as it turns out, there was a, a league official in town this week to talk gambling, and it, it's coincidental that it's this week. But ignorance is not an excuse. If you're ignorant, you weren't listening. You weren't listening, and I've, I've, we've talked to three or four guys yesterday, and I heard what Zaire had on Kevin's show, which was quality stuff. And these guys say, "Yeah, but yeah." Like one of my, I get the players mixed up. It might have been Cotton Grant, and he said, "Hey, they're making examples of people." You know, how do you not notice? Now this happened last year, so it's not like like Isaiah Rogers saw what might the consequences be, but. At what level of a player do you think it might be okay to bet on the NFL games? I, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't think the team, I don't think the league has to amp up, you know, two, two more sessions or whatever. No, it, it's players have the information. They, they know the consequences. And I just think this shows the level of what an addiction can be. You know, hey, I, when I was to star early in my career with Robin Miller of, of all people, what a, what a great influence he is for, for, on gambling because he loved it. And I'm telling you, and I gamble at times too. And there's a buzz. There is, there is over. You, you go from did, did this team win to did they cover? And I understand all of that. And and like I said, the the league. Is, has so many gambling ties now, and I understand that. But at no at no level can a player believe you, you can you can bet on your team, the NFL. And if it's so bad, if the itch is so bad, then get in your car and drive, uh, uh, you know, twenty minutes down the road to the Speedway station or the Starbucks and place your bet on on the Kentucky Derby on baseball. But for crying out loud, to do things at the complex, I think I was talking to somebody, and the rules are fuzzy to me. If I understand correctly, if you're a team employee, you can't bet, period. Not not just on the NFL, you can't bet, period. Uh, so players do have a little more leeway, but 
it's to, 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 to bet on a, at a team facility. And, you know, I, I always question sometimes when I see stories, the sources and who, who's got the story, but I think sportshandle.com first had the story Monday and they had sources and, and I trust them. And then of course ESPN and those are people I trust when I see sources, whether it's Steven or Joel Erickson at star or, or when we use it, obviously I, tr- I trust my sources. I trust their sources and the things that they had in that story, you know, pervasive gambling, over a hundred, you know, bets placed, most of them small. There's one or two big ones apparently, but, but it, you just at no level do players should players believe that maybe I can do this. And if you have any question for crying out loud, David Thornton's there every day. He's one of the greatest sources of cults have as far as what you can do, what you can't do, how to, how to get along in the community. You go to those guys and, and to not do that it is foolhardy. And now we're, you know, at some point, Isaiah Rogers is going to see the consequences and they're not going to be nice. I wouldn't, um, if I were a player, I wouldn't mess with any of it until I was done. And I mean, you already have a small enough window to take advantage in the NFL, get paid right. this amount and be a player. I, you got plenty of time to blank around with this afterwards. I, I certainly well, it, wouldn't it, be it, doing it, it now. And this would be, to me, this would be a reminder of why it is not even, you shouldn't be even interested in messing with any of it until you're done. You'll have plenty of time. Yeah. And that just shows you the, maybe the, the grip that a gambling addiction, if that's what we want to call it has, uh, Isaiah was due like $2.7 million this year. That's gone. That, that's burning in somebody's yard now. And if he had had had, had any kind of year this year at all, and, and he's a legit corner and all this, I mean, what's he going to make next year on a multi-year deal? Six or $7 million minimum per year? And that money's probably gone now. That That's why I say that's – you just wonder – when you're doing this, don't you, do you just not understand consequences? And, you know, there, there have been players that have taken PEDs and, well, I didn't know that stuff was in what I was taking. Well, ask somebody. It, the league's got a hotline. I mean, the NFL has got a hotline. And and it, it's just, there are resources to talk with. Again, David Thornton's a great player, great former player to deal with. And if you have any questions, like I said, like with, with supplements, if you have any question of what you're taking might be banned, look it up for crying out loud. So it, it's just, maybe it's just being young and, and feeling you're bulletproof. I mean, I don't know, but this is, if this isn't a wake up call to everybody, you know, there again, what was it? Four or five or six players. Some of them with Detroit, most with Detroit and Washington. And then there's apparently another one that's under investigation. If this isn't, if this isn't a scared straight moment, then then the people you're you're not reaching are lost. They're lost souls. But it's obvious that the league is as it should. It's 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 clamping down hard, harder almost in, in, in relatively than they would do with PEDs or or street drugs or other indiscretions, because once. As we said, once the public believes that or doesn't trust what they're watching, 
I'm not sure what you got. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So the director of Numbers Nerdery leaves for Dallas. How big of a deal is that, that because it's not actually happening on the sideline or on the football field, maybe folks aren't paying a lot of attention to? Well, some. I mean, again, that, that was a guy, if I remember, Chris brought this guy in because they really got into to analytics, and then Frank really embraced it, I assume, uh, uh, Shane Steichen will have his own people in place and, and how he does things. Yeah, that, that stuff matters. It does. And like you say, it's sort of in the weeds. But uh, Frank really – and I know a lot of people will just dismiss Frank out of hand now, but Frank was pretty damn good. He, he was pretty good. Things happened last year that, that we'll never know totally. But he, he's pretty good. Game management and calling plays – Pretty, it's pretty hard to call plays when nobody's pass blocking, so that that kind of get overshadowed. But I, I think it's a big deal. We'll see who how they how they compensate because they've lost two or three guys in that in I, that. Do you do you lose them just for a dollar value in which you don't want to match contractually? If it's somebody you like, how, how do you let I, that walk? Yeah, I, I I don't know. Again, maybe th- this is this is a guy that Shane Steichen had no. You know, he, he he didn't have a relationship with as far as working together. So maybe he said, "Yeah, I got my own guy." I don't know. We'll see how that pans out. But but again, you all, coaches normally surround themselves with guys that they're really really familiar with and have a history with. We'll see if that is going to be the case here. But uh, I, I, yeah, it, it very well might have been a what well, he went to Dallas. You know, they, they print money down there. So so maybe it simply was a – maybe it was a money issue and maybe it was one where it just wasn't a fit here with with the new coaching staff. I don't I don't know the background on that at all. So Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59, anything strike you other than the obvious story regarding Isaiah Rogers and, you know, all the quarterback stuff we've talked about with still – at least from what you guys have witnessed, I guess, it is still – um, Gardner Minshew getting the number ones. Who knows what happens when when everybody's not there? But uh, yeah, that's that's the problem. Is we don't know. I, maybe he's getting the the bulk of the number ones every practice out there. We, but but the, the the last they have decreased on Anthony Richardson. The last the, th- the three practices we've seen it was pretty even the first time. And now it's the last two have been Minshew. We'll get a much better idea next week in minicamp when we're out there all three days and we can see how the entire week went. Uh, Kevin mentioned a question yesterday to Steichen about, you know, at, at what point isn't there a point that you need to sort of decide what you've got? And are you really going to maximize getting Richardson ready and, and give him more reps? And I think we'll see part of that next week. We'll really see that in camp. We've talked about that. though. At some point in camp, what we see will tell us what they're doing. It's kind of crazy, but I mean, they, they, they disguise, you know, not getting, you know, trying to get Richardson ready, but not giving most of the reps. No, if they're trying to get Richardson ready, which I think they will, he'll be getting most of the reps in camp because that's that's the way you do it. Don't you know? Don't, don't we playing games? And I don't think they will. I think when camp gets here, I think we're going to see more and more of Richardson because everybody has told us that they, you know, the only way you get better are reps. Reps in practice, reps in preseason, reps in preseason games. So we'll see more next week, and we'll see a lot in training camp. 
All right. Did you see the uh, the tweet about five hours ago with Jim Irsay in New York with uh, Mellencamp and Wanchick and Clive Davis? Did you see that? No, I didn't. I missed it. No, you, well, you, you got to check it out. Yeah, Mike Wanchick, by the way, is a longtime writer and and musician, along with uh, with Mellencamp. He's he's like somebody in that band that John hasn't run off over the years, going all the way back to the seventies. <laughs> Clive Davis is obviously uh, legendary, and then Jim is excited to be around everybody. And then you see in the picture with Jim, Mike Wanchick, and Mellencamp. Mellencamp looks like he'd rather be anyplace else than being in that picture. <laughs> I wonder when was the last time that that Mellencamp wasn't salty. I wonder. I got to find that out he's just always and he seems like he's had one like the best lives of all time why be salty i mean you you smoke you smoke cigarette after cigarette wherever you are no matter what the situation and everything i mean it's amazing i've seen him four or five times a friend of my wife's a good friend of my wife's went to school with him in what seymour yep um in his class i mean the same same class and she said he was just a what was the word she used? I mean, not a thug. I mean, not a thug, but just a guy, just a, a hoodlum type guy, who 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 was just sort of the the bad boy at Seymour, who turned out pretty damn good. Yeah. But whenever I saw it, whenever I would see him, I, I, I'm the old time guy. I'd like I, I want all the old songs, and he always right, rolls right. out his new new albums, and I, I don't want to hear that crap. Give me some good stuff. Well, and he, I mean, he, and he has to. To his credit, he um, he has tried to reinvent at different times himself Correct. musically, and, and and it really is. And people are going to go, well, wait a minute, it's not like that. But it's much like what Madonna has done over the years with her career. She's always tried to reinvent herself, and and he, much like she, they started out as like pop stars. And right. neither one really wanted to be pop stars. I give him a great deal of credit because he is stratospherically talented. And like yes. you, I love his catalog, especially the older catalog of music. But man, if the dude could just chill out for stinking five <laughs> seconds, it'd be great. <laughs> I, I, I guess he, he's gotten to the Bill Belichick stage. And, and when, you, when you're that good and that accomplished, you can be as cratchety as you want to be so because you sort of earned it just chill out a little bit i mean yeah, he, when I he goes on the radio he cusses and smokes chain smokes yep. cigarettes and everybody lets him get away with it i mean you get a great yep. life working that's right enjoy it i mean what christy brinkley um you know meg rival he's run through them all that's a hell of a life yeah, right there nice lot nice life would you like to trade with me no if he had my life that's when Mellencamp needs to be salty mike that's, that's when he right. needs to be salty so walk a mile in your shoes <laughs> <laughs> all right next week we'll see what's going on i appreciate you mike talk at you it is uh, mike chapel of cbs4 and fox 59 i am a tremendous fan of john Mellencamp too I just want to see one moment where he does not look like the saltiest man on the planet. One time. Just a happy-go-lucky, hey. Hey, here's small town. Here's serious business. Hey, play guitar. Forget all about that macho. Learn how to play guitar. I love all that stuff. Human wheels. You know, all the reinventions, musically speaking. My man just always looks salty. If you guys have seen that picture. And what's funny, I've talked to Mike Wanchek a number of times, no nicer dude in the world than Mike Wanchek. So he must, 
he must be incredibly talented. And most of the reason behind all the Mellencamp success, because I he's stood the test of time all the way back to the 70s. No, Wanchik is a great guy. But yeah, I think they were together last night. Uh, the three of them, actually the two of them from Mellencamp's band along with Jim Irsay. And the Jim Irsay in a picture with the legend Clive Davis is pretty awesome. See, I mean, look, look at Jim. That's how I would look if I had Jim Irsay's life. I'd look like that. Like if I had Mellencamp's life, every picture would not look like a mugshot. But you can see the difference right there. Ursa's going, hey, listen, this is awesome. I own a football team. I love this. I'm doing what I want. I'm running around. Going to have a pop culture slash music museum coming up here relatively soon. About five hours ago, he tweeted that. All right, I got 50 cent tickets to give away before the top of the hour. You guys sit tight for that. Mike Chappell, Alex Golden, Grant Pugh. Grant Pugh, live from Fort Worth, Indiana State. Remember, tomorrow, I don't care if you went to IU or Purdue or UND or Ball State or Notre Dame or Butler or Southern Indiana or Evansville or St. Mary of the Woods or Ivy Tech. I don't care where you went. We're all sycamores tomorrow all of us we're all sycamores tomorrow and saturday remember that we're all sycamores quick break your chance to win we'll do some calls coming up on the other side too don't leave 93.5107.5 the fan Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, this is a song that has a cuss word in it. Forget all about that macho. Boop. Boop. Learn how to play guitar. Yeah, I love Mellencamp, dude. Always have and always will. I've seen Mellencamp. I guess it doesn't sound like it because Chapel, I think, seen Mellencamp more than I have. I've seen him twice. But I, I believe that I have seen Mellencamp in two of the best situations of all time. 1983. 1983 at the IU Auditorium. And people were rocking up in the balcony and like there are bits and pieces of the ceiling uh, falling on our heads. And then I went, I'm trying to think, it was either 92 or 93 during Little Five. Hank Lee, Henry Lee Summer opened up and it was like a combination of, I would think I was so hammered and then yeah, it was rainy, it was Little Five and you had Mellencamp, it was Awesome. Awesome. Friend of mine, big old we I had had like, I don't know, ten people in a row. Big old cigarette passed out on the dude in front of him. And the dude had uh, what do you call a rain slicker, right? A poncho or whatever it is. And, you know, we just kinda let him lay there for a little bit because he was kind of being a pain in the ass. He was so drunk. And we uh we pulled him up and the dude <laughs> and his cigarette had melted a hole the size of a softball in the back of this guy's jacket. <laughs> okay. All right. But now, seriously, 
Ooh, I just saw this too. So ESPN, uh, they are taking cost-cutting measures. Uh, obviously, just hired Pat McAfee for a great deal of money, and they pay their top-level talent uh, handsomely. And I'm sad about this. Neil Everett is one of my favorites, and evidently Neil Everett is leaving ESPN after 23 years as the cost-cutting continues there. 23-year run, which, by the way, is an awesome run. But it really didn't matter to me, generationally speaking. Neil Everett was always pretty cool. Uh, apparently, he will attempt to do more work with the Portland Trailblazers. I know he was a West Coast guy. I think he was staked out for the most part in Southern California. So, I think uh, Chris Chelios, the former Chicago Blackhawk, was a guy that was uh, was let go. As that evidently continues. Uh, Rex Hampton asked me this. Is Henry Lee still playing? I believe Henry Lee still plays. I believe Henry Lee still plays. People forget about Henry Lee Summer had, it may be three, but at least he had two huge top 15, if memory serves, hits back in the late 80s. I wish I had a girl and hey, baby, those things were huge. Shout out to Brazil, Indiana, his hometown. But I do believe that he still plays. Uh, Rex also asked, who was the dude that was trying to punk on Larry Bird? I don't think it was so much Alex Golden, as he said, when Larry Bird was watching the workouts earlier this week. Uh, he had a bunch of people saying, hey, don't let Larry Bird pick Grady Dick or ha, ha, ha. And I, when it comes to Manning and when it comes to Bird, and I know you, you can look at Larry Bird and, hey, look who he selected and Miles Plumley. There is no doubt. But always remember, even beyond Larry Bird, the player, And I know you guys are going to say he accomplished so much, everything as a player in Boston, but the Pacers' only NBA Finals, he was the head coach. Never forget that stuff. And if you got some youngster that's talking outside their rear end about this because they don't know, remind them. Remind them. I mean, you are chasing. They didn't win in 2000. But you are chasing that right now. And the thing you get to compare it to is, you know, winning a big game in December right now. So I compare that much to a lot of what you hear regarding Peyton Manning. Because everybody's mad that Manning is big into Denver and that's his home when he's going to Nuggets games. Well, I mean, you would too if the team you were playing for cut you loose. And went with somebody else. I mean, he still comes back. But you'd be the same thing. Never forget what he brought. Because without it, it is much different around here. Never forget. And I think Larry Bird is much the same. You know, obviously, it's not without criticism. And, you know, over time, with bad selections... That criticism is there. I've never fallen into the category of, well, you know what? It was unsuccessful because it's only one Super Bowl title. People who say that's stupid. Uh, you, you forget about the days when you thought, wait a minute, what is this Super Bowl thing you speak of here? 
because there's no way this barely three-win team every season is ever going to reach that level. Uh, Jim's at 239-1070. Jim, jump on here quickly. How are you? Hey, Dan B. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal one of your words that I hear you use a lot. Uh-huh. But there is a lot of dumbassery with uh, Isaiah Rogers. But I don't know, with six Detroit players getting caught in one year, I mean, I'm not so sure if the NFL wasn't really – pushing it too much until maybe this year and then maybe they decided oh we better jump on this because I just can't imagine six people um, and with Detroit getting caught in one year and nobody you know we haven't heard much about it since Art Schleister for a while so I just wanted to get your, get your take on that yeah Jim thank you very much I think what this comes down to is um you just talking about dudes that didn't follow the rules. I mentioned this a couple of days ago. We all have rules that we go, oh, come on. And we all look at things and view them as a lot of things, really, as hypocritical. Uh, the NFL, certainly notwithstanding, the way that they have embraced those sports betting sites, how much money is generated for them because of it. But wait a minute, we can't do it. But those are the rules. And you follow the rules. You follow the rules while you're in it. And then you can you can go rogue whenever you get out of it. That's what was always hard for me to understand. You know, and Mike my, my chapel earlier alluded to, well, I mean, it could be an addiction. I don't know if it's an addiction. I don't know if it's just somebody that thought they were going to get away with something. Somebody that was having fun and thought, well, it's not a big deal or whatever. I do know this, that that clearly with the Colts and when they have been asked the questions this week, they have all, and I think this is a smart way to do it too, they've all alluded to, hey, we're all educated. We all know this. We all know the rules. You'd literally have to be asleep in these meetings not to know the rules and then if you were asleep somebody would probably tell you while you were sleeping this is what happened this is what this person said that has been their angle and that's what i asked mike about you know a lot of people are going to view this as and and i hate this is such an overused word and i i hate using it but people that have have consistently and i think rightly at times so you know question you know, not just the winning, but the the culture that surrounds the team that we often hear at levels of greatness. And, you know, if you're somebody that has consistently bagged on, well, you know what? So what about your culture? All that matters is winning. All that matters is winning a, a division title, you know, going to the postseason, whatever. I mean, you can look at this again being under Chris Ballard's watch. And you could say, well, wait a minute. There, maybe, maybe it's not just the losing. Maybe it's not just a four twelve and one ridiculous circus like season. You know, this this thing. You can poke holes in this. And I thought that the Colts' angle this week with saying, "Hey, you know what? We have all been educated about this. There have been substantial warnings, and if you don't know, then." Maybe you're not broad enough to be a part of this in general. That's not them saying that. That's not me. But that has been the answer seemingly from every Colts player that have been asked. 
So to me, that's been their angle. Hey, wait, wait a minute. This is not a cultural issue here. This is one dude going rogue or one dude being a knucklehead. Quick break and we shall return. A recap of the show and your chance to win some tickets coming up on the other side. It is a concert event in late July. Give you a chance of doing that and more coming up next. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, you got 50 cents. Coming up at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center, right? You guys ready for that later on this summer? I believe the end of July is when that show is going to be at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. And it is going to be a celebration. Celebration going back to the early 1990s. July the 27th. Tickets on sale now. You can win yours right here. Celebrating 20 years of Get Rich or Die Trying. Buster Rhymes a part of that as well. 50 Cent, Buster Rhymes, and a show on July the 27th out at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Christian down at Brown County Music Center a little bit earlier today. I, I don't know. This is going to go away. Well, you're really old. I am going to go on Sunday to see KC and the Sunshine Band. KC, by the way, Harry Casey, originally from Indianapolis. But like I've mentioned before, I've never seen them. And I'm thinking, I don't know how much more time I took advantage of that. I remember a year ago to see the late now great, certainly great now late Gordon Lightfoot down at Brown County Music Center. But KC and the Sunshine Band coming up on Sunday at Brown County Music Center. That's outstanding. I head down there to see that great venue. And certainly have had it. Yeah, that's pretty funny right there. At any rate, big show today. Grant Pugh joined us from Fort Worth. He's from Channel 2. That's WTWO in Terre Haute, Indiana, covering Indiana State. We're all Sycamores tomorrow and Saturday. Remember that? Super regional for the trees trying to make it to the College World Series since 1986. It's been a while. And they get started coming up 5 o'clock local time tomorrow. I believe that is on ESPNU. And, of course, I'll keep you updated unless I start bringing them bad luck. And then I won't. Uh, But Grant was really good about that a little bit earlier, about what's going on, who's going to pitch. And really, TCU, for an example, the hottest team going right now in terms of offense. And just what they need is a little home field advantage which they were given. I know they had to earn it by beating Arkansas, but with the Super Regional in mind, they were given that, and hopefully that does not burn a significant hole in the Sycamores coming up tomorrow and on Saturday. We'll keep you updated on that tomorrow. Everybody is Sycamore. Alex Golden of setting the pace a little bit earlier, too. We talked about a variety of situations with the Pacers two weeks away from the NBA draft. 
Whitmore, Walker, Hendricks, number seven overall, was the question. He would go Hendricks from Central Florida. I would go Walker from Houston. Podcast for that. What likely could be some moves for the Pacers coming up as we really get going in the summertime offseason in the NBA. And a little bit about last night, of course, that was game number three of the NBA Finals, and it was all Denver. Triple doubles into the 30s scoring column-wise for both Jokic and Jamal Murray. Impressive to say the least. And what has been a grinding, enjoyable Miami Heat team to watch um, did not seem that way last night. Game four coming at you. That is tomorrow night once again down in Miami. I believe they go um, – Home, home, away, away, home, away, well, something like that. Then they go, I think it goes 2 2 1 1 1, something like that. In the NBA Finals. But all Denver last night for real. All right, who's going? Is Denise here the winner? Denise, are you going to go see 50 Cent? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Who are you taking, Denise? I'm going to take my son. That is awesome, Denise. Thank you very much for listening and calling and winning, okay? Well, thank you very much for the ticket. I'm going to put you on hold. You can get set up with James. James will get you those tickets. James is gone tomorrow. He's got to go get some $500 worth of tattoos. $200 an hour for your tattoo artist. Vincent Van Gogh is his tattoo artist. $200 a stinking hour? We'll miss you, James, tomorrow. Nathaniel's in tomorrow. Grant Pugh, Alex Golden, Mike Chappell, Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Hashtag Ask Pat. Pat Sullivan back tomorrow. Mike Wells tomorrow. Chris Welsh of Reds Radio and TV also tomorrow. Don't miss it at 3 o'clock. The Lounge YouTube Live. And everybody, have a great night. Thanks for listening.